0: And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Daughter, no matter if today is one of sorrow or one of joy, join us as we seek the Father's will with Jesus in the garden. (laughs) Got you. (laughs) You did. You beat me to it. I did beat you. How's Um, it going, Olivia? It's going good. I just had a whole bag of Doritos, and I'm feeling alive. That's good. What was your snack that you just ate? Was that... Fruit snacks. A great snack. I was about to say the snack that smiles back, but that's goldfish. That's goldfish. I wouldn't mind some goldfish, but... I don't know if I can find any. <laughs> I don't know where they are. In this office <laughs> that we're in. It's a bummer. Right now. Well, as we begin, I had a question for you. Okay. Not about snacks. Maybe you thought that's where this was going. <laughs> it's, it's not. I did. Um, I've seen this thing on the internet of, like, people being like, I'm having a so-and-so's kind of summer. And I thought, Rachel, if you could transplant yourself into one book, movie, or TV show, and your summer could look like...
1: Kind oh. of their
0: day-to-day. Oh. You know, what? does this make sense? Yeah. Of, like, a, you would jump in, and you're, like, the character, this is what your summer looks like. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't know that you this on the was the question no. that was about to be asked. Um, okay. I have two answers. Am I allowed to have two you're answers? You're allowed. Okay. They're very different. Okay. But anybody who knows me is not going to be surprised by probably either of these answers. Okay. One Lorelai Gilmore. Incredible. So hear me out. Anyone who knows me knows that I love Gilmore girls. Just such a fan. And I used to joke that I would yeah, we're (laughs) Olivia's pointing at we're sitting in my office right now and there's literally like a Gilmore girls sign right next to where Olivia It just feels applicable. Is sitting. So yeah, but I would love to like run the inn. Mmm. Oh yeah. Yeah just be Lorelai Gilmore in all her wit in all of her sparkle like sparkle. I yeah like I, just, I would like to um, be her anyways so that's one mm-hmm. two I would actually probably say cause this is what I'm watching right now Elizabeth McCord in Madam Secretary I love that show yeah have we talked about this before I don't think so I really enjoyed that show. Yeah, so I'm I'm watching it right now, and I would, I will say, like, only for a summer could I stand to be the yeah, Secretary, Secretary of, State. of State. No longer than a summer. <laughs> but, you know, once I serve my term as a summer, um, uh, you know, Secretary of State, then yeah. I'm good. Olivia, what about you? This is so very different than anything. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was I saw, like, the new Into the Spider-Verse. It's called Across <laughs> the Spider-Verse for this movie, and you're going to laugh at me. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to be one of the Spider-Men, because there are Spider-Women as well in the Spider-Verse. Oh. Um, but you want to be a s- Spider-Man? Yeah, of some sort. I don't know. Like, there's a female named Gwen. Who's like a Spider Woman oh, in a different universe? I don't think I want to be her. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Gwen. But like someone in that I see, universe. I like, see. I haven't seen this. That's why I don't want to give too much away. Okay, I haven't even seen the first one. But like, I just think it'd be really cool to be like swinging between Fair enough. buildings. That like freedom. Tom Holland. Yes, like Tom Holland, but different. Because it's like you're in a comic book. Yeah. Which, again, I think I could only handle for a summer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Now that we're talking, I think I'm going to change my answer. Oh. Okay. I think I would choose Paul while he's writing Philippians. <laughs> oh! <laughs> everyone, everyone at home is, like, shaking their head no. They're like, that They're like, was how the worst our transitions transition get. <laughs> be. They yes. can get cheesier. That Just wait. Yeah. Uh so <laughs> with that, uh guess what? We're talking about Philippians today. No way Rachel. <laughs> um yeah, we're gonna chat Welcome to your Paul your Philippi Summer. My as Philippi we Summer once called it. <laughs> yes, yes, it's welcome back to Philippi Summer. Uh, <laughs> we are continuing today. Philippians 2, 12 through eighteen. Yep. Are you ready? Yeah, just a few quick seven verses. yacht. Yeah, right. (laughs) These are not quick. These are (laughs) verses. These are packed, but they're packed with so much goodness. Yeah. Can I read? Yes, you read today. Is that a- okay, thank you. She's using a very small print Bible today, (laughs) so give her some grace. Yeah, if I stumble, I had to put my glasses on (laughs) to be able- (laughs) like an old lady. Okay. Therefore, my beloved- once again Paul is dropping bars of dropping bars is that what is that what the kids call it it's what this kid is calling is that like a popular thing I think so well like if someone says something good they'll be like bars okay so I I this is a side note but I get like 90% of my like cultural popular lingo from Miss Olivia right here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I don't have much. <laughs> I'm all, I'm only like three years older than you, but I uh, feel like an old lady sometimes. So, okay. dropping bars. So, that's the beginning of this passage. There is a therefore. Therefore. What do you think it's
1: there therefore, for, Rachel? Ooh,
0: that's good. So, uh, I would say that the therefore is referring back to earlier in Philippians 2. Yes. Isn't that good? Um, so pretty much like our last podcast, so go listen. No, <laughs> just kidding. If you haven't listened, you should go back <laughs> to get um, the full context of chapter two. I mean, that is true, That the full context context there, but we just come from Paul talking about unity within the church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even going back to chapter one, where we talk about, okay, how do we interact with the world outside of believers and then how do we interact with the church how do we interact with the believers the answer is unity Mm. and how do we do that it's in humility that we're able to reach unity and Paul gives us this example of like Christ is the ultimate example of what humility looks like and so that is directly where our therefore is coming from so good and I think too as you read on in verse 12 the Therefore, my beloved, as you had always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, working out your salvation. But we also see this picture of an obedient Christ, too. A humble Christ, a submissive Christ, an obedient Christ. So therefore, beloved, because he has this sweet, intimate relationship with the people in Philippi. He knows them very dearly. Yeah. He's saying, like, continue to obey, not just when I'm there, um, but in your private life. Um, which I th- I think almost sounds like a pastor from a pulpit being like, don't just come to church on Sunday and put your best foot forward and yeah and and act like this great Christian like act like that when you're not in church, when you're not in front of your pastor. yeah, I feel like that's almost like this like warm pastoral thing that Paul is saying. Totally. I love that and I love that you're connecting that with Christ um that what we see before it in um chapter two. Verse, let me find it, verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the Mm. point of death, even on a cross. And so, yeah, exactly kind of what we talked about last time. We have, like, this ultimate example of obedience in Christ, which we will never achieve on our own. Mm. But uh, it is still the example that we look towards. And by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we hope to work towards it. Yeah. And I think we're seeing there's this phrase in verse 12 of work out your own salvation which I know it like sent off alarm b- alarm bells in yeah, my we, head. We we had work and salvation like in the same sentence. Ding, 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 ding. What is going on? What's going on? In what is going, going on? on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so this is something Rachel and I were talking about as we were um, about to record this episode. And we were like, um, this isn't what, what is what happening here. And we want to make a very clear distinction. And this is something Rachel said to me of, we don't work to get salvation. We do not have to work to get salvation yeah. at all. Period. That is a gift that is freely given. But once we have salvation, what does your life look like afterwards? How are you working to live a godly life? How are, like, Christian living is not easy and is not a passive thing that you can do. It, it looks like effort. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, kind of the picture that's coming to my mind is I've, like, seen this chart before where it's like, um, if we believe that our salvation is by works, so imagine... There's like this little person on this chart. And as they move forward in in life, they're moving to the right. And as they get closer to their salvation they move higher on the chart Mm -hmm. and if we believe that we have to work for our salvation then it's like as we're moving along in life we might move up and then move down move up and move down and and Mm -hmm. um fall up and down on this chart of like okay getting closer to heaven but now i'm falling because i didn't do something right but and now i'm gonna work again and and i'm working more towards our salvation Mm -hmm. work um towards my salvation but um what we believe is that um we're moving along in life and there's nothing that we can do on our own mm-hmm. to get to heaven and it's not until the moment of conversion the moment that we accept Christ into our lives the, the moment that we accept that gift that we automatically jump up to the to the top of the chart and then we move the entire rest of our lives at the top of the chart it doesn't matter what we do it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um what we don't do, like, we are, we are solid there, and, and that's the picture of salvation, that there's nothing of our works on our own that we can do, but exactly what Olivia is saying here is we don't just stop living (laughs) Mm, (laughs) once we are saved. Like, there is still life that, that we have to live, and we work out our salvation. Um, so, Olivia this language is really interesting to me. Uh, fear and trembling. That that's how we work out our salvation. Do you have any thoughts about that, Olivia? What does that mean? Connections? Anything? I'm so glad you brought this up. I So I've been going through the Gospels this summer, and when I reached the end of Mark chapter 16, there was this verse in chapter 9. Let me flip to it. But it's the women who are going to visit the tomb after Jesus has died, and they say something that I found really interesting, and this is where some scholars would break, um, the end of the book, and then there's, like, verses 9 through 20 that some people think were added later, but that's a whole other thing that we're not (laughs) going to talk about today, but, um, verse 8 says, and they went out and fled from the tomb For trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And I was like, that's... What a way to end a book. If you're meaning to end it there, Mark, that's... (laughs) Yeah. That's not, like, the most hopeful tone to end it on. So I was looking at this phrase, and it only appears one other place in Scripture, and it's here in Philippians 2. And so I loved this description I found of trembling. And it says it's used to describe... The anxiety of one who distrusts his ability to completely meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. Yeah, and so there that that definition may have a couple words where you're like, Olivia, why why do you like that? Like it talks about anxiety. It says religiously. <laughs> why yeah. why are we talking about this? Um, but I think this even goes back to something we spoke on in our last episode of this complete emptying of ourselves. It's not in our own ability that we can do any of this. It most certainly has to be grounded in the Holy Spirit empowering us to do this work of working out our salvation. But it's also something that we, like, when it says religiously, it's like, I think another good word for it is almost habitually. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was thinking consistently. Consistently. Habitually. Like, we are working hard to see a result almost I would say and I think that result is looking more like Christ yeah you know yes I think so good and so I think God stands ready this is something I have in my notes God stands ready to concur with his grace which is this gift of salvation to assist our faithful endeavors yeah like this work that we're doing because our work depends on his work simultaneously within us yeah. So if we're just working, working, working to obtain, um, to like work out our salvation, not obtain salvation, but work it out, are yeah. n- I don't think we're going to amount to much. But if, and if the Holy Spirit's just doing stuff, but we sit passively by, I don't think that works either. Yeah. It has to be this combination of, Holy Spirit, I am weak. I need you to help me do this, but I'm not going to just sit around and expect growth and change for me to look more like Christ to happen. Yeah. I think the word that comes to mind is submission, that that's Mm. like our, um, that's our role in, in it is like, we don't do it by our own power. We don't do it by our own strength that we, yeah, I think it's a great definition to say working out our own salvation. We can closely equate that to working to become more like Christ working mm-hmm. to look more like Christ. Like, that totally is, um, like, what this means here. And I think that, yeah, there is just, like, our heart posture, and that has to be, like, submission, to be like, mm-hmm. Lord, I can't do this on my own, but I submit to you that mm-hmm. you um, can work this out in me. Well, I think that's where Paul continues with verse 13 of, For it is God who works in you, yeah. both to will and to work his good pleasure. Like, he delights to do this work with you. Yeah. Um, I think this is his joy, is to see his children look more like Christ. And even as we're working at our own salvation, it's we're also coming alongside others and helping them look more like Christ. Like, that's what evangelism is, and that's what seeing lives transformed from the gospel is, is, making more people look like Christ. Yeah. I think, too, like... I think it can be challenging, even as we're, like, using this terminology of, like, looking more like Christ, it can be really challenging for us to even think, like, why? Like, why... Mm-hmm. Um. Really, honestly, like, I think the thought in a lot of people's minds and like, a sinful thought that we all have at maybe different times is, like, it's more fun to not look like Christ, (laughs) or, like, Mm. it's, it's, it's more, like, I, like, I, I enjoy life more when I get to live, like, how I want to live versus, like, looking like Christ, and, and I would just say, like, that's a complete misunderstanding of what it, means mm. to to look like christ um yeah. but i think of um hebrews 12 1 which this is a paraphrase but um therefore since we have such a great cloud of witnesses let us run the race with endurance mm. um, and throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and i think if somebody were to ask why do i need to look like christ what's the benefit of looking more like christ i would say that we as humans, experience the most human flourishing and the most joy when we are with our Father, with God the Father, like when when we are in close relationship. And the thing that gets in the way of that is sin. And so in order to um, remove sin from our lives, we have to look more like Christ. And as we're looking more like Christ, we get to grow closer into a relationship with God. And that's where true human flourishing is. Mm -hmm. That's where like true joy is. That's where we truly like become whole when we are like in unity with God. And I think there's again, so many verses that come to mind, but so often we think of Christianity and salvation as freedom from the consequences of sin when the way that we need to look at it is that our salvation is freedom from sin itself Mm. like yes there is freedom from the consequences of sin that is like getting to live out eternity with christ Mm. like that is freedom from the consequences of sin but like our salvation starts now it doesn't Mm. start When we die, like salvation starts now, and we're not ever gonna perfectly get there. But that's what this working out of our salvation is of like, man, how much can I separate myself from sin? And like, how can I run this race with perseverance Mm -hmm. and avoid the sin that easily entangles so that I can flourish? Not because I'm doing something good, Mm -hmm. but because I am becoming closer. To God the Father in the process. As you were saying that I even thought of Paul as he's writing this letter and the human flourishing he's experiencing from a jail cell. Yeah. Like the rejoicing that he has, it's it's because of what you're saying, like becoming more like Christ, throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us, separating ourselves from culture. Like Paul was so countercultural, but he because of where he sat with the Lord because he was working out his salvation, he could sit in prison and flourish there. He could sit there and preach to the guards who he was chained to. He could sit there and write this joyful letter and other letters to people. Like, his present circumstance didn't negate human flourishing. Yeah, totally. And so I think, like, the dichotomy of it here. In, like, achieving this human flourishing, I have written in my notes that it's a great responsibility and also a weight off of our shoulders. Mm-hmm. That it is simultaneously, like, a responsibility that we have to work out our salvation, but the that weight isn't on our shoulders. Like, it is by the pow- power of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I think I would just point to, it's like, well, how does that work? And my answer would be submission. Hmm. And that weight relief is we don't have to work for our salvation. Yeah. Um, We just do, Jesus did the heavy lifting as we saw in our previous section. Um, Now we have a lighter lifting, but we also get to do it with the helper, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's so great. Um, Okay. And then Paul kind of makes a shift here. At least it feels like a shift. Yeah. Um and he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Olivia, what what do you think about that? Oh, so many thoughts, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um so another thing we talked about before we started recording is um the complainingness of this generation that we find ourselves in. Um I don't know if you even have experienced this as you're listening, like, or or you yourself. I I can picture myself leaving a class and complaining. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was so boring. Why did I go? Oh, I have to do this thing, this thing, and this thing. I have to. Like, yeah. that language. Um, when it's things I've chosen to do and I take joy in, but this, like, complaining yeah. language. Oh, yeah. This was, this was so convicting as I was preparing this section, talking about complaining. Well, I don't, I think that's, like, one of the more, one of the sins, I would say, that we, like, jazz up to be okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, a pretty one. It's, like, a pretty sin that anyone can do. It's, it's not like it's murder, or it's, like, (laughs) lying and betraying someone, but it, but, man, it's, that's such a heavy thing to to speak and then to like carry that I feel like yeah and I don't think you're a fun person to be around either yeah you know what I mean like I don't think I don't I'm sure my people don't want to be around me when I'm complaining and nagging and grumbling as Paul says um and so he's telling us to not do this so that we can be blameless or innocent and um, this is one of the things that would s- will set us apart in this world. Yeah. Um, this yes. generation that we find ourselves in. Because, I mean, Rachel and I are even saying, like, it's easy for us to slip into this. Um, yeah. But this is, a like, a small thing that can set us apart. Speak more, Rachel, about the crooked and um, mm-hmm. twisted generation. Yeah. So, this um, phrase is likely from Deuteronomy 32 5 um, where we see very similar words of like crooked and perverse generation. Mm -hmm. We know that Deuteronomy is a time when the Israelites are fully complaining. They're complaining about everything. They're Mm -hmm. like they are in uh, the wilderness. They are in between Egypt and the promised land and we see, like, pretty much everything that they say is complaining. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that is all that they do. Um, and something that I've been thinking about, and thinking about how to word this, um, is I think that being chill is like, a fruit of the spirit, almost. Just <laughs> to, to, to <laughs> say more. <laughs> Olivia's like, what? I like it. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're getting more hip with the kids' lingo. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I'm trying to. Be, no, just kidding. That's not what I'm trying bars, to do. Rachel, um, bars. But I think, like, and and really, like, I like I think about the, the fruits of the spirit, like what we actually see, even like words like patience and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that actually though like in our culture some of how that is translated to is like hey bro just be chill (laughs) but like in a way that it's like man i'm not anxious about anything i trust the lord like that's a that's a fruit of the spirit to be like, you know what? And, and I think like trust and not complaining go hand in hand because when we trust God and we, when we trust what he's doing, when we trust where he has us, then we're not complaining about Mm. it. Um, and I even think like very much the like crooked and perverse generation, just the fact that that phrase, first of all, is used in Deuteronomy, it's used here. We could very much apply that to like, the generation that we're in and i think what we see there is every generation is a Mm. crooked and perverse generation like all of them are because sin um yeah and i think that complaining is one that um charles spurgeon great theologian says gives like kind of three categories of like we shouldn't complain against god like, let's trust God in what he's doing. Let's not complain against the church. Isn't that so hard though? Sometimes oh, you're like, oh yeah. that's right I ha- didn't I slap hard today, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. And then, um, don't complain against the world, which that one is the one that I find like really difficult. Hmm. Um, and I, there's probably for all of us th- within those three, there's one that's like, oh yeah, that one sticks out to me that one's really difficult for me because i complain against that thing and i think that that is it's such a small thing but that's like not complaining against those things sets us apart from a a crooked and perverse generation Mm -hmm. and like we're we're still going to be sinful we're never going to be perfect but um it moves into this language of being lights Olivia, what what do you what do you think of this language here of um, being lights who shine in the world? I think I think a light in the middle of a dark room is uncomfortable. Yeah, I think. Do you? I mean, think about when like it's in the, you're in the middle of the dark. It's like a sleepover, and someone has like. Lost something and they need to turn on their flashlight on their phone. This is a really good example <laughs> to find it. Do you yes. know what I mean? And everyone is yeah. We're <laughs> making like those faces like <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's the vocation <laughs> of the face, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like we're we like it's really comfortable in the dark. We're all about to rest whatever, and then this light comes and it's uncomfortable. And I think, I think that's maybe why it's really hard for us to be a light in such a crooked and twisted generation like like every generation is but i I think now about this particular climate of um go with your truth like your truth is your truth my truth is my truth let's be all accepting of every truth yeah um a very psycho like therapeutic culture where we we just like everyone's comfortable in it yeah Just, like, we're comfortable in the dark at a sleepover. But when you're a light for Christ, like, that's going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. Um, so that's something I want to speak to of, like, if, (laughs) this is something my mom, I think, used to tell me of, like, if you're uncomfortable, you're probably doing something right. Yeah. You know, like, if you're having a conversation with someone who's not a believer and you're uncomfortable, you're a little out of your, or even with your fellow, like, believers, like... If if they're all grumbling and you go, guys, like maybe we shouldn't be complaining right yeah. now. Like, look at how much we have to hope in, and you know, like the looks yeah. they give you of like, really, you're holier than thou. Why are you telling us to do this? But I think that's like something that came to my mind. That was totally from the Holy Spirit of like, it's uncomfortable to be a light. Yeah, in the world. It yeah, it totally, and it's like, uh, we've talked about this before, but. I think where we're situated here in America, in this day and age, the persecution that Christians face is a social one. Mm -hmm. That it is not cool to be a believer. It is not cool to be all in. You are going to lose friends. You're going to have people look at you weird. You're going to lose followers on Instagram when you start talking Mm -hmm. about Jesus. Like, you're not going to please people anymore, and and we all struggle with pleasing people these days. We all want to be liked. We all wanted to want to be accepted. And when we are a light, we stand out and Mm -hmm. we are different from, from those around us. And I want to make it really clear that, um, the word that is used here, um, the Greek that is light, um, other translations say like star, star in the sky. Um, but the only other place that that um, word is used in the New Testament it's used a few times a similar word um, in the Hebrew in the Old Testament but in the New Testament it's in Revelation twenty-one eleven, and the context of this is um, like this holy city that reflects the glory of God and so I think that's really important that we're not lights and we don't stand out because we're special Mm. or like we're not lights and we don't stand out because like God loves us more than everybody else like that's that's not it like we are lights and we stand out because we are reflecting the glory Mm. of God it is not the glory to ourselves like it is all glory to God and yeah Mm. that is like when we are even Like given the opportunity to reflect, like the holiness of God, when that's compared with the unholiness of everything but God, like there is a stark contrast, and you're gonna be noticed, and you might lose friends, and Mm -hmm. that's hard. And so, like, I'm not saying like get over it, (laughs) like like it's it's a hard thing to face, but I think that that's what we need to be aware of that um, when we are when we are different. Where we're situated right now, the the result is often social discomfort. Hmm. A thought I have Was. is I think I think too in our culture we're kind of trained to for self glory. Yeah, um, like thinking about social media, like as you mentioned, like we're trained to want this glory, these likes, this approval, and like we're trained to curate ourselves to be appealing to, to post things that will get us glory. Um, this is spoken as a girl who doesn't have social media, but I, I had it for a time and I was like, it was something I caught myself in of this self-glorification that I felt like it was tugging me towards and not saying that everybody on social media is like that. I definitely don't think that because a lot of people do use it to reflect back to the glory of God, just like these stars reflect the glory of the sun. Um, but I think yeah. I don't, do not you know what I'm trying to say here? I'm like yeah. th- this isn't for our glory. Yeah. It's not. It's not for, for our, our gl- glory at all. And I think that's what Paul is highlighting here of like in the church like any of the things that you are doing like it it's not for you. Yeah. It's it's for the glory of Christ. Yeah. And also it's like an expectation. Like how Paul mm. words this here of Um, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Like, he is addressing the believers in Philippi. It's not a, if you are a light. It's like, if you are a believer, you are a light. And so the question that I would ask anybody, and including, like, Olivia and I for, like, um, personal reflection, is like, I know I am a light. Am I shining brightly or am I shining dimly? Hmm. Like, I'm going to be a light no matter what, so, Hmm. like, am I going to choose to, like, dim my light and not reflect the glory of God, Hmm. or am I going to, by the grace of God, through God's power, through God's strength in my life, am I going to brighten my light to greater reflect the glory of God? and? Quite frankly, I think all of us have to get to a point in our lives where we say, I'm going one way or the other. Hmm. I'm going to, to choose one yeah. or the other that I'm going to do. And again, just going back to this idea of human flourishing, the, I think, again, talking about like the dimmer that our lights are, I think that's reflective of the further away we are from mm-hmm. the Lord like in our relationship with Him. And yes, we're going to go through seasons where that where that's hard, where that's difficult. And so I'm not saying that, but when it's our active choice mm-hmm. to not be close to the Lord and, and our lights are are dim, I, like really uh, that does not produce human flourishing. Like that's not where the joy comes from. It's when we are able mm-hmm. to be brighter lights that is reflective of our closer relationship with the Lord. And that is, like, that is where we get to love life while Mm -hmm. we're here. On this side of heaven, we can love life. We can love the Lord. We can be close to Him. And we can help to bring this kingdom to earth Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So if you're like Rachel and I, and you want to shine bright. Yeah. Since we're all about practical faith here, how, how do we shine brighter? And I think if we continue on in this passage... Paul will equip us with some of these tools. Um, the yeah. first one I see is holding fast to the word of life. Yeah. Um, and something I have in my notes is take the gospel seriously, take the gift of grace seriously, and don't cheapen it. Yes. So and, good. And so when I think of holding tightly to to the word of life, it's like hold hold tight to your word of God. Like feast feast upon the scripture take, take it seriously. Live, live like you have been transformed by the gospel and by grace. Yeah. Live that out. Um, another thing that Paul says is, um, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. I think of like preservation to the end, like this walk with the Lord for our life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. So it's, Equipping yourself with the tools and the habits and the behaviors of okay, how do I how do I preserve well with Christ? How do, how am I rooted so well that I have these things to do? Um, yeah, do you something to say there? Yeah, I like. I think like it's one of my biggest fears to get to the end of my life and mm-hmm. say like, man, I ran the race in vain. I labored Mm. in vain Mm. like that to me is and and if somebody gets there who has received salvation like there's grace for that but like I want to get to the end of my life and look back and say I worked for the kingdom by the grace of God like I did not labor in vain like what I did had an Mm. eternal impact like that is the personally for me like that is the entire goal of my life to look back and so like Mm. there's some weight there Mm -hmm. especially like most of us here are like young so it's like why am i thinking about like the end of my life but like if we don't start thinking about it now I, i when will we start thinking about it and so i just think that it's a really beautiful question for each of us to ask ourselves be like hey at the end of my life, what do I want to have been said about me? And mm. uh, and then, by the grace of God, operate out of that. So good. Oh, it's so good. Um, and I think, too, I think of the next verse that Paul says yeah. in, like, verse 17 of the, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Um something i took note of is like pouring pouring wine on an altar it doesn't come back it's like expended and it's gone like it comes to an end yeah um just like we come to an end like what is what is that conversation going to be like with christ of what what did you do on earth because your time on earth is going to come to an end yeah um but but paul says like, I can be glad and rejoice. I know what I've done. And he's saying this from prison, so I, I really like his perspective here of, like... Yeah. He, he feels like he's tasting the end in sight. And, yes. And so he's like, if it comes to an end, I rejoice and I'm glad because I know what I did. Yeah. Um, wh- What confidence and certainty I think we all want. Yeah. Right. Yes, there's definitely, like, as Paul is in prison and this, like, idea of his imminent death, just even that phrase of, like, glad and, and rejoice, like, I am glad and, and rejoice, that doesn't make really much sense to us unless, like, we know Christ is there. And um, I also think there's, because he's speaking of, I don't want to look back and say, I, like, I ran the race in vain i I think he's like well i'm close to the end of the race Mm. and i didn't yeah and so i'm going to be glad and i'm going to rejoice so i think kind of my like the thing that i would say in wrapping up is just to be really clear because we're talking about this a lot salvation is a free gift from god Mm. jesus christ uh fully man and fully God, like we talked about in the last episode. He came, lived a perfect life on this earth, died the death on the criminal's cross that each of us deserve. And in that, he paid for our sins. And if we put our faith in him, we will be saved and and we will have salvation. Um, which starts now in that we Mm -hmm. get to work towards freedom from sin, but it lasts forever in that we get to have eternity with Christ. We are saved from, from death and, um, and saved from, from hell. And I, so like, that's really clear. Like that is our salvation. That is a free gift to us. We just believe we put our faith in Christ and we have that. But I think the question that I would ask, and I would ask so many, like I'd ask myself and I would just ask like so many believers around me, like, what are you doing now with that free gift of salvation? Hmm. You have it, you have been bought with a price. Hmm. Now what what are you gonna do with it? Yeah. And in an encouraging way, like that's that's what I see these verses to be. As you're working out your salvation. How are you going to allow the Lord to use you? Like, your, your life is a gift. The yeah. fact that, like, any believer is, like, alive and, and will get to spend eternity with Christ, like, that is a gift. And so, hmm. um, kind of, I think the last thing that I would say is, okay, what are we doing with that gift? Hmm. What, a, what a great question for, for us to ponder and yeah. for anyone listening to ponder is, what are, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Um, I think I think you really wrapped it up well. I just want to end with um, a verse in a song. The song is called "Your Labor Is Not In Vain." So, if you want to look it up, it's go a listen. Song. It's a great song. But I love the last verse of it, and it says, "The houses you labor to build will finally, with laughter and joy, be filled. Mm-hmm. The serpent that hurts and destroys shall be killed, and all that is broken be healed." So. I think that's your little hope for this week. Yeah. Um, Just as Christ, uh, not Christ, just as Paul said, I guess Christ through Paul, um, that he does not want to run this race in vain. May we too not want to run this race in vain. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We will catch you next week as we talk about a little bit, uh, something a little bit different. But... We are always here for you if you want to continue these conversations. Reach out to us. May the Lord bless you. What's up? It's your girl, RR, in the podcast studio. Rachel, <laughs> no! <laughs>